This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Based on the special circumstances surrounding this witness, I would instruct all of the cameramen in the room they are not to take any photograph for security reasons. And the committee will be in recess momentarily so that screens can be put into place to shield the witness. This is a recording of a special proceeding before the Rhode Island House Judiciary Committee. We'll get to the exact nature of the proceedings later. Nothing but the truth. I do. Please be seated. Hello, Mr. DiOrio. Do you used to be a resident of uh, Providence in Rhode Island? Yes. I was running the number office for the organization in Rhode Island. When Richard Moon DiOrio says the organization, he means the patriarchal crime family. Moon is a protected witness, testifying from behind a screen to hide his face. And he's talking about a time back when he was a bartender at the mob-run Acorn Social Club. Did there come a time when there was a uh, raid or anything at the club after you were there? The club was raided three weeks after I became the bartender by the Providence Intelligence Division. I was arrested for selling liquor without a license and maintaining a liquor nuisance. Whenever the club had trouble with the cops, a lawyer would show up. His name was Joseph Bevilacqua. Joseph Bevilacqua Sr. came into the club to represent me while the raid was in progress. He said, don't say nothing, we'll take care of everything. Then, one day, Bevilacqua came into the club with some news. He told Patriarca underboss Nikki Bianco that he'd gotten a new job, Chief Justice of the State Supreme Court. Mr. Bianco made a, a statement that he was against him becoming a judge. He said, Joe, you help keep guys out of jail. Now you're going to be putting them in jail. And Mr. Bevelock, Joseph Bevelock was senior, said, don't worry. I'll still keep my connections. I'm going to be a judge. I'll still keep my connections. Joseph Bevelacqua was a pillar of the Italian-American community in Providence, who rose from criminal defense attorney for the Patriarcha crime family to Chief Justice of the State Supreme Court. Today's episode, what happens when the guy who represents justice in the state of Rhode Island won't give up his mob-connected friends? I'm Mark Smerling. And I'm Zach Stewart-Pontier. Welcome to Crime Town. Raymond L.S. Patriarca, the man of contradictions who ran organized crime in New England for 40 years, was laid to rest today. He's been vilified, but I mean, there's two sides to every story. It was a war. We, we considered it a war against organized crime. It was uh, 
us against them. I never asked what happened. I didn't want to know. It didn't matter to me. I don't care. All I care is the case against you. We defend it in an ethical manner, and that's what we're going to do. You follow me? My father was a low American, very low American. He was uh, wasn't ashamed of his heritage. This is John Bevilacqua, Joe's son. He was the Senate Majority Leader in the state of Rhode Island. And he says, to understand his father's story, you have to understand the Italian-American neighborhood where they grew up, Silver Lake. When I was a little kid, I thought going to the old country was going around the block in the back. Everybody watched for each other. We got to know all the Gumata Gumbadas and all the cousins and everyone else. Silver Lake to me was the world. That was it. I spent a lot of time with my father on weekends. We'd go down to his law office and seeing people, uh, talking to people. John's father, Joe, was the guy in Silver Lake who people looked up to, and they'd come to him with their legal issues. He represented a lot of people, and they never paid him. He was the kind of person that if you had a problem, he found out about it, he would come out and help you. Because we understood what their problems were. Yeah and tried to help them. My father never said no to any of them. Never. That's the type of man he was. So it seemed only natural that Joe would run for office. I used to ride in the old beat-up sound car that my father would drive, and he would drive through the, the neighborhood, his district. What's like a convertible with speakers? Oh, no, it wasn't a convertible. It was an old beat-up Nash or Ford. It barely ran. What would you say on the loudspeaker? Uh, vote for Joseph A. Bevilacqua for representative. Bevilacqua became the Speaker of the State House of Representatives. But he also kept his day job as a criminal defense attorney. My father told me always, uh, always earn your money on your own. Be able to support your family and never ever rely on politics to keep bread on your table. To whom it may concern, I have known Mr. Patriarca for a good many years. I have found him to be a good person of integrity and in my opinion, good moral character. This is an excerpt of a letter Joe Bevilacqua wrote while he was Speaker of the House to get his old friend, Raymond Patriarca, out of jail early. If that seems strange, remember, this is Providence, where relationships go as deep as tree roots. Again, John Bevilacqua. You can't always pick your friends, and you grow up with people in a neighborhood such as Civil Lake, and you make friendships, and sometimes the people aren't the best, but to you they are, because they are friends. Families banded together, doing the best they could, and they come to one another's aid. This is Dan Barry, a former reporter at the Providence Journal. And he says that for Italian-Americans in Providence, family and friends were everything. You have a son, he becomes a lawyer. Your friend has a son, he becomes 
a gangster, for lack of a better term. The two guys grew up with each other. Their families go way back. They've gone through tragedy together, and they've gone through celebration together. Bevelock was not going to suddenly say to a wise guy, hey, I can't handle your case. That's just not going to happen. But then, Bevelacqua got a promotion from Speaker of the House to Chief Justice of the State Supreme Court. And he finally made a choice. He said he was going to separate himself from his mob clients and his mobbed-up old friends. The Chief Justice wrote, I stated publicly at the time of my election that I would travel a different road than the one I did as a public elected representative. I also, he wrote, Acknowledge that interests and causes in which I had previously been an advocate would need to be put aside. In 1982, I was um, in the intelligence unit, and um, I was passing through Federal Hill. Jim Mullen was an investigator with the Rhode Island State Police. I'm by myself. It's about... I don't know, 8, 8.30 at night. There was a lot of uh, mob guys that would hang in this particular area. I mean, uh, you had Bobo Marapisi's club right around the corner. You had uh, Small World Bakery. You had uh, all sorts of things. And they, it was like a meeting area where they would all congregate. And I spotted the Chief Justice of the Rhode Island Supreme Court standing on the corner talking to, you know, corner guys up on Federal Hill. I mean, it wasn't doing anything wrong, but it just struck me as something's not right here. Not long after that night, Mullen was assigned to surveil a clothing store called Monticello's. A place where high-ranking organized crime guys of the patriarchal crime family would congregate. Mob bosses, uh, Raymond Jr. Patriarca would be there, Nicky Bianco, all the made guys were coming here, you know, in and out, in and out. And um, one day, we saw the chief, Justice Bevilacqua, at Monticello's. So we followed them uh, when he left, and uh, the chief justice was with a woman, and uh, he went up to the Alpine Motel. They went in, and we took off. Could you state your full name for the record, please? Peggy Ann Dion. I was the manager of the Alpine Motel. The Alpine was owned by mob associates. And in Peggy Dion's testimony to the Judiciary Committee, she described how things worked for special guests at the motel. I would get a phone call and I would be asked what room was available, and I would tell them the number of the room, and they'd say, open the door such and such a time. I have friends or relatives coming in. Just okay. open the door and leave it open. Okay. The rooms were never used more than an hour to two hours, that's it. Okay. So the next morning, uh, you know, I go to the office, and I tell my bosses what happened. What was the Chief Justice doing with a woman in a motel room for an hour or two in the afternoon? Jim Mullen's bosses had some suspicions. So they sat me down. They go, uh, we want you to start following the chief. I go, all right. 
the cops begin to surveil the most powerful judge in the state. That's after the break. I believe it was called on channel one. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. Before the break, Chief Justice Joe Bevilacqua was spotted hanging out with wise guys, and the cops followed him to a mob-owned motel. We pick back up with state police investigator Jim Mullen. We put a surveillance team together. We started following the chief justice around. We would start on a surveillance from his house. You know, he'd go to the Supreme Court, go to the courthouse, he'd go, he'd just move, move around. Okay, we have point coming up. And it wasn't long before they ended up back at the Alpine Motel. We had our van, and uh, we sat in the corner of the lot at the Alpine. And um, all of a sudden, who pops up the road? It's the Chief Justice of a lot. So he gets out of the car, he goes in the, the room. We snap surveillance photographs of him. I don't know, about 10, 15 minutes later, this woman shows up. She gets out of her car, the chief comes out, greets her, and they go in the room. Bevilacqua enjoyed the company of women who were not his wife. Former Providence Journal reporter Dan Barry. And so the state police wait a while. They are patient men. And then here comes the Chief Justice of the State of Rhode Island walking out of the motel. And while the state police are taking his photograph, he is pulling up his zipper. We weren't zooming in for the perfect shot. You know, we uh, just uh, shot a burst off and, you know, we got what we did. There was one uh, that that appeared that he was, uh, you know, had a zipper, uh, you know, on his hand. And the state police have this photograph, which is, at the very least, mortifying. Next day, I got up to state police headquarters, and I go in, and uh, they said that uh, Colonel wants to see you, Colonel Stone. And that was, that was very unusual. Colonel Walter E. Stone was the head of the Rhode Island State Police. Tall, lanky, military bearing, he's been called the J. Edgar Hoover of Rhode Island, and he'd been fighting organized crime for decades. To guys like Jim Mullen, he was a legend. So I go in, you know, I salute him. I sit down, you know, on the couch. He had a couch in there, and uh, he had a little bit of a high-pitched voice. And so he goes, uh, Trooper, he goes, um, uh, what, what happened last night? Now, he already knows the answer. <laughs> I got to tell him again what happened, right? So he goes, uh, okay, he goes, uh, make sure you don't tell anybody about this. I go, 
Yes, sir. Colonel Stone knew that Bevilacqua was hanging around with wise guys. That wasn't really illegal. But now, Mullen had brought him something he could use. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about how that photograph got over to the Providence Journal? <laughs> no. no. Okay. And so one day, a state police detective walks into the newsroom of the Providence Journal. Again, reporter Dan Barry. He looks like a trooper, ramrod straight, very handsome, no nonsense, hands over a manila envelope and walks out. Guess what's in that manila envelope? And so then, one morning, Rhode Island awakened to the front page of the Providence Journal to see a photograph of their chief justice walking out of a motel, pulling up his zipper. From the moment he took the position, they went after him. The paper started writing articles about him. Anything that has a negative impact on a person's reputation, they would print. To Joe's son, John, it was clear that the Providence Journal and the state police had it out for his father. Now, just think of this. You have an investigative arm of the state of Rhode Island following the chief justice wherever he goes. They had a, a special van that followed him with certain cameras and everything else, taking pictures. They watched him constantly. He couldn't go anywhere without them following him. To me, that was nonsense. That was an injustice. Bevilacqua has been the subject of a newspaper report claiming he shared a Smithfield motel room with women at least three times in 1983. For the first time in our state constitution's 142-year-old history, the General Assembly is considering impeaching someone. That someone is the Chief Justice of the state Supreme Court, Joseph Bevilacqua. Bevilacqua's rendezvous at the Alpine put his personal life on trial. And on May 14, 1986, the Judiciary Committee of the State House of Representatives began impeachment hearings. We are about to undertake a truly historic responsibility. A resolution has been presented in the General Assembly which makes serious allegations of misconduct against the Chief Justice of our highest court and calls for his impeachment. The testimony you've heard in this episode from Moon Diorio and the manager of the Alpine, it's all from these impeachment proceedings. And everything that the state police observed while following the chief justice was revealed, live, on television. Has there ever been a time when the chief justice was the subject of a surveillance by the state police Yes, sir. The Chief Justice was showing up at places and locations where known criminals were hanging out. When do you recall any of your observations were first published by the Providence Journal? December 2nd, 1984, I believe. It was an interesting story. And I ask you if you can identify that photograph. It's Chief Justice Pevelacqua coming out of his vehicle at the Alpine Motel. The most damaging testimony came from protected witness Moon Diorio. 
the former bartender at the Acorn Social Club, who'd said he'd heard Bevilacqua talking with Patriarca's underboss. Moon and Bevilacqua's defense attorney went head to head. Are you looking to get even with the Chief Justice for something today? No. Do you like the Chief Justice? Yeah, I have no complaints against him. He's a nice fellow, right? Yes, he is. You think he's a wonderful man? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say a wonderful man. Nice guy. Now, wait a minute. Nice guy. I don't know about nice. Witness the answer. I wouldn't say he was a wonderful man. What you, uh, but so you have nothing against him? Well, at the time, no, I had nothing against him. You have anything against his son? He wants to smell like a skunk, that's his business. Well, what do you think you smell like? I don't know, but I know what he smells like. I'm not wearing a robe, sir. Oh, thank I God. I admit to being a criminal. Thank God for that. I am not wearing a robe. He is. Oh, y'all wearing a mask. Yeah, but I am a criminal. I admit it. He's wearing a robe. Are you still a criminal? He stunk up a lot of courtrooms. Again, Joe's son, John Bevilacqua. When they started to come in with the spectacular... Uh, sensationalized uh, individuals like Moon DiOrio uh, to testify with the bag over his head and the screens. That was an insult to the people of the state of Rhode Island and also an insult to every decent person in the world. Uh, yes, I'm his son. I'm prejudiced. I'm biased. That was my father. Uh, but remember, they never convicted him of anything. Uh, they smeared him. They smeared my family. Uh, it wasn't an issue of uh, right or wrong. It was an issue of enough is enough. Bevilacqua ended a 10-year career on the bench this afternoon when he signed this letter of resignation. He said the current impeachment proceedings caused his health to deteriorate and, quote, have not only taxed myself, my family, and my friends, but have also caused a substantial financial burden on the people of the state of Rhode Island. Bevilacqua resigned before the hearings were over. And his son John says that a lot of Italian-Americans in Providence felt like he'd been drummed out of office simply for staying true to where he came from. A lot of the Illo-American people feel as though that uh, Joe Bevilacqua was the guy that made it possible for them to succeed and to advance. A lot of uh, Illo-Americans and a lot of people themselves that knew my father uh, were very... Very hurt. My father was not the type of person that turned his back on anybody. Never do it. And that, if, if, if he had a fault at all, that was his fault. Yeah. You know, the thing about Chief Justice Bevilacqua is it's not black and white. Dan Barry says that Bevilacqua should have understood the conflict between his private life and his public position. Right, so he wasn't caught in any kind of overt crime, but their perception of it was wrong. And there were plenty of Italian-Americans who said, enough, okay? We have elected you to the State House. We have honored you with this position of Chief Justice what we expect in return is integrity and the perception of integrity. That means that you do not write letters of recommendation for the New England mob boss. It means that you do not go to Monticello's to chat with mob associates. I don't think that's a hard call.
On June 22, 1989, 34 years after Joe Bevilacqua was first elected to the House and three years after he was forced from the bench, the Associated Press ran the following obituary. Joseph A. Bevilacqua, whose friendships with reputed mobsters tarnished and finally ended his career as Rhode Island's top legislator and top judge, died Wednesday. He was 70. Next time on Crime Town. Patriarcha is dead, and the mob is in turmoil. But there's another organization that takes over where the mob left off, the network. The network in Rhode Island is just like organized crime, except for one thing. They make what they do legal. I always call my baby good time. Crime Town is me, Zach Stewart-Pontier, and Mark Smerling. We're produced by Austin Mitchell, Drew Nellis, Caitlin Roberts, and Mike Plunkett. Our associate producer is Laura Sim. We're edited by Alex Bloomberg and Caitlin Kenny. Fact-checking by Mick Rouse. This episode of Crime Town was mixed, sound designed, and scored by Matthew Boll. Additional mixing by Enoch Kim. Our title track is Run to Your Mama by Goat. The credit music this week is Good Times by Andy Johnston, courtesy of Jack Fleischer. Impeachment archival, courtesy of the Rhode Island State Archives. News archival, courtesy of WPRI Channel 12 and WPRO Channel 10. Original music by John Cusiak, John Ivins, Edwin, and Beanart. Our ad music is by Matthew Bull. Our digital editor is Rob Zipko. Our design director is Ale Lariu. Alex Bloomberg is the podfather. If he wants to smell like a skunk, that's his business. This season of Crime Town is dedicated to the memory of Bill Malinowski. Thanks to the Providence Journal, Julia Haymans, Emily Wiedemann, Lisa Newby, Tim White, Jim Terracani, Ken Carlson, Kate Wells, Mary Murphy, and everyone who shared their stories with us. For a full list of credits and for bonus content from this episode, visit our website at crimetownshow.com. You can find us on Twitter at Crimetown and on Facebook and Instagram at Crimetownshow. And if you're enjoying Crimetown, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. Thanks. Providence is a special place, and we're honored to tell a part of its story. When's the last crime you committed? The last crime I committed? What do you mean, what I was charged for? No, I mean the last crime you committed. I mean like anything. Do I have to answer that, sir? You can take the fifth if you want. The last crime I committed before I went to jail? No, the last time you committed, period. Like yesterday, the day before, or any other time. You said before I went to jail, No, I didn't. I said, when is the last time you committed a crime? I lied before a grand jury.